This is the Lonely Hearts Club podcast. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about pulling it together, doing it yourself, valuing your values, all the stuff you collect. You got to have some of everything. Write me a letter, Lonely Hearts Club at kxci.org and be a part of it all. Be a part of this wonderful world we're living in. Sometimes objects are conducive to your passion, though. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes they're intertwined. Like a musician can't. It's hard to live without their instrument. Right? Or... And you gotta have that, or a painter needs paint. Yeah, or a scrapbooker needs scrapbooks and, like, dozens of of scissors and all kinds of different glues. I have a collection of fezes. You know, the hats that you wear when you spin around? Go on. Yeah. And it's just... It's fun. They're not practical. Wait, when you spin around? Yeah, you spin around. <laughs> spin around like this. <laughs> and you wear a fez and there's a tassel on top and it goes like that. Oh my god, I want to do that right now. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. I almost knocked this desk over. <laughs> and then after you're done spinning, you have to kind of plant your feet while everything goes back. The whirling dervishes that start spinning, they wear those fezes, they kind of represent tombstones. This is my interpretation. You're in this reality of, hey, you only live once. It's kind of like a Dia de los Muertos sentiment. But in spinning, kind of seeking perfection in in that one tiny moment, in that one center. I don't know. It's about being present. Yeah, but it's also about altering your reality okay. a little bit. Just enough. Dear Bridget, Antiques Roadshow came to town recently. I went with my 112-year-old aunt, who'd brought several things for evaluation. A diamond-covered Swiss Army knife, once owned by Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh. (laughs) A pair of Toulouse-Lautrec platform shoes. And thirdly, an Amelia Earhart action figure. She walks, she talks, she disappears into thin air. (laughs) So as the man sat talking about each item... Auntie sat smiling, then she suddenly seemed to doze off. It turns out that she had passed away while they were filming. Oh. We called the coroner's office, who arrived quickly, and took her away after a few retakes and some cutaway footage. The good news is that her dentures were worth over a thousand dollars, and it signed, Auntie Eeks. All right. It's interesting... The idea of bringing your stuff to some other place for somebody to attach value to it. I mean, you should decide what it's worth to you. I have a blanket, a really nice 1950s, maybe late 40s. I don't know. It's like a really old Pendleton. And I love it. I love everything about this blanket. So whether it's worth $20 or $2,000, I don't need to know the numbers because I know that I love it. Having that appraisal on it isn't, is it going to make me love it more if I find out it's worth 10 grand? If I do, then I'm no longer going to use it. I will have to put it in some kind of cedar chest or hang it on a wall or not let my dog sit on it. I love it. I don't know why it's mesmerizing. <laughs> do you have any, do you collect things? Uh-huh. Wait, like what? I have a big collection of origami paper. 
Oh, wow. You do? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for more? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's dangerous to tell people. I love making origami. And, you get more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's super true. <laughs> and I love my, one of my favorite parts about it is looking through and deciding which piece of paper I want to use to make whatever I'm making. Oh, man. So you can bust out a crane, huh? Mm-hmm. What else can you do? Can you do elephants? Yes. Wow. My favorite element is made out of a dollar bill. But I don't have that memorized. I have one. I got it when I was a waitress as a tip. Oh, nice. I I used to fold peacocks uh, at restaurants. And then I saw somebody, like, get it and then try to unfold it. And it's, like, not super easy to unfold. And they ended up ripping it. And I was like, (laughs) oh, gosh, I feel so bad. And so (laughs) I stopped doing that. But it still had value. (laughs) Because it was something you did, not because it was money. Until until it got ripped. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thought that counts. I hope I hope she felt the same way. My mind thinks that I need things. My mind thinks that I need mm-hmm. the newest gadgets. My mind thinks I need a belly full of burgers and fries. And my mind tells me a lot of these things that isn't necessarily true. You got a hamburger phone, so who needs <laughs> I do have a hamburger phone. It was the greatest purchase I've ever made So who last needs night. actual burgers? Who needs a burger when you have a burger phone? <laughs> right. That's it. It sustains me. That burger phone will probably sustain me a lot more than a hamburger will, <laughs> than a real one will. Carla, you really sweet-talked the guy at Bookman's. I did. I did, so I had trade-ins. So um, <laughs> in my mind, it really wasn't like I'm like wasting money because I traded stuff in. Mm-hmm. And there, there he was. That burger phone just sitting in the little bin, really like not being showcased. It was with a bunch of other stuff. And I and I spotted it from a distance and I approached and I reached over and I picked up that burger phone and I opened it. And it was <laughs> keep that anyhow. And so uh, I have it in my hand and I'm waiting for my trade to to be, you know, counted, whatever. And um, he gives me the eye. I give him the eye. So I know my trade is ready and I go up there. And he says, I can offer you. And then before, I don't let him start. Like, I don't let him finish. I, I whip up the back of the phone and I said, this is what I need. I need $10 to make this hamburger phone mine. <laughs> and he said, we'll make it 10 bucks so you can have the hamburger phone. You're wheeling and dealing. I got a little emotional. Yeah. Yeah. That emotional attachment is not what freedom is. I want to be free, too. I want to walk away from my stuff. This is very funny because if you talk to uh, Chelsea, she calls me a hoarder. And there's stuff that, so, it, you know, this idea of not growing up with money yeah, and being able to acquire rather nice things, very in like an intelligent, like kind of clever manner. Or just through luck. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And, and so it's like you acquire these like really nice things and it's like, well, wow, this didn't cost me anything or why this didn't, you know. And, and so you kind of, you have that little attachment to it's them. It's like that moment when you discover a, a Pendleton wool blanket at Goodwill exactly. for $2. Exactly. Like, That's a $2,000 blanket. I'm a winner. Yeah, exactly. It is. It kind of goes a little deep into saying um, kind of like self-worth as it pertains to my things. Like, uh, you know, it, it, these old ideas kind of are really hard to get rid of. I definitely, my Dr. Google would definitely need to work with me on that. Get rid of this clutter. Do you have clutter? I sure do. Paper. Digital hoarding is also a thing I do. 
Do you do that? I don't know what you mean. I Well, Amanda coined that phrase, I think, or maybe she got it from somewhere else. But I have a, always have like a thousand tabs open. Oh, yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah. Well, what ends up happening is I decide to bookmark them all. It'll be like, bookmark? Do you want to bookmark these 88 tabs? And I'll say, yes. And then I'll put <laughs> that date. And it will, so, because otherwise my computer will like to crash. And so... Then I'll never go back to it. So it's like out of sight, out of mind for me. It's a storage shed. It's a storage shed. And you just reminded me, this is so like American problems, right? We have uh, storage units. I need to stop. Do you have one? I do. It's not ridiculous. I was just talking about how crazy it is. It's so crazy to have a, I think it was a George Carlin. For your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a George Carlin. Carlin bit, yeah. Other yeah, so that's ridiculous. I need to get rid of well, what stuff. What do you have to get from your storage unit? It's again out of sight, out of mind. It's almost gonna be like exciting to go because I don't remember what's in there. Oh, so it's like shopping. Yes, <laughs> thrift store. We have a shed in the backyard. So right. I'm not trying to be um, smug, like oh, you have a storage unit. I have a shed, which is basically this. That's same. better because I pay rent on my storage unit. Right. That's not being smug. It's <laughs> being smart. <laughs> You, you like to collect tabs on your computer. I do. I collect paper. I'm one of those people who has to like, I actually can no longer get the weekly because I would just keep them until I decided to read them and it would they would be so out of date by then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like last weekly. <laughs> yeah. My friend also, I like that term, the last weeklies, <laughs> but mine were like last yearlies or whatever. Year old weeklies. Year old weeklies. Yeah. So... And it takes up space. And then I heard that rises your cortisol level, a stress hormone. Yeah, That's exactly. The, mm-hmm. And so you, if, if you get rid of things, there's supposed to be this this freedom that you feel. Yes. And Lightness. I would, I would like to try that. I know, right? I've never felt that way. <laughs> It'd be nice to try to feel that way. I had a thought that I had earlier that goes back. And when you said that having a house, like you have to have some boredom to make the exciting, exciting to provide like contrast. Yeah. And that reminds me a lot of music where, especially in like a sixties and seventies jazz, where you have these kind of long stretches of sort of dissonant music and like really aggressive sometimes that breaks into really pleasing soaring parts and then you know the the pleasing soaring parts are made much more cathartic by the fact that they're preceded and surrounded by these like sort of elements of chaos and disorder and that's sort of like the inverse of what of of a house yeah but it just reminded me of these sort of contrasts to bring out what you want in in your experiences exactly it's exactly right Going off the grid. Yes. Amazing. I had this idea in my head, and I didn't think it was possible. Well, I, you know, it was possible, but I'm like, oh, that'll be my 20-year goal down the line. Mm-hmm. And it all started with just making a decision. And once I made that decision, it was really funny how these things kind of just fell into place. Like, I found the piece of land, and then 
I found a place in Phoenix who does the houses. So can I ask a annoying questions as yeah. if I were someone else? Yeah. Okay. I can retreat and be alone if I'm wounded or sad. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> or sick. But being alone for me feels like punishment. I need to have an audience. Now I want to go off the grid. And I'm starting to dream this dream of minimalism <laughs> in this tiny house. And what are you going to do about people? I will sometimes say this little line, and people never believe me when I say, I don't like people and I like to be alone. Mm-hmm. And people will always, they question me about it. and Because they love you so much. And, <laughs> and they're always mm-hmm. like, they, they want to they argue, like, argue this through with me. And I enjoy the community that I've grown, like here at the radio station and through other nonprofits and through other volunteer work that I do in the community. I've grown this like really beautiful like family, this really beautiful family. I really do like to be of service. It's pretty magical to be able to help somebody. And so because of that, I can't really say that I don't like people. That's not necessarily true. I really enjoy being by myself. That's Mm -hmm. one thing that I've learned. And so you can explore that. Yeah. I wanted to get a job with the Forest Service and do like the the fire fire towers. Oh, that's terrible. You'll be all alone for, you know, four or five months. That's perfect. I do need the interaction for like my own personal well-being. I need the interaction. Well, but, you're going to eventually go get food. Well, yeah, no, no. I, you know, I have a plan. So you I have I'm, a car. Come, yeah, I'm going to come into town. <laughs> but that idea of when I'm out there by myself, that I'm just by myself, it, it's it really recharges. It recharges my soul. I don't think there's anything close to just sitting somewhere and just being really quiet. And it's always this. It revolves around nature for me. So being in nature and just sitting there and just, again, the nothing. I went to Patagonia Lake. When I got home, I immediately wanted to be back outside again. And I was just sitting, just looking at the sky and the trees, and I just did not feel bored. Yeah. And it was it was one of those moments where I had that moment of reflection. I've been outside all day. And I feel like I've been pH balanced. You know? <laughs> I love it. Like, yeah. Everything has an alternate upside down version of itself. Everything, everything works together. There's a place for everything everywhere. And the, the world is constantly expanding. So there's all these new things happening every day. And it's really important to be open to those new surprises that can happen, especially in music. I, I really like that. I got a letter. Okay. Oh, you got a letter. Yay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, here it is. I got a letter. All right. Dear Bridget, I am a coyote. It is really difficult for me to find another coyote. I'm kind of obsessed with the Roadrunner at the moment. The Roadrunner, she is gorgeous. She makes ridiculously cute sounds. But she's just so fast, and I can't seem to keep up with her to get her attention. I haven't been able to even say hello. Do you have any advice for how I can get her attention? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that inter interspecies thing. Well, here's what I would suggest. Um, it sounds as though your obsession right now is a little bit one-sided. The roadrunner doesn't seem to have noticed the coyote. And I think that's the first thing that needs to be changed. And I think what we need to do is the coyote should try to learn a little more about roadrunner behavior. I know that roadrunners really like snakes. They They do. I think it's kind of amazing that a bird can go after a snake like that. 
I don't know if coyotes like snakes. I don't think they're fast enough to catch one. I could be wrong. I, I don't know as much about coyotes' relationships with snakes as I do with potential romantic relationships. Gosh, it could be a lot worse, coyote. You could be in love with a snake. Right? That would be deadly. Well, Senor Wiley Coyote, it's important for you to recognize that a roadrunner is going to be a roadrunner. Exactly. You know, yeah, or maybe you should just have a party and you could invite the roadrunner. Maybe there's some way. Oh, that's a great idea. You could invite the roadrunner. You could invite a tarantula friend. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if roadrunners eat tarantulas. That could be problematic. But sure, you know, invite a, have a party and invite all your desert friends. And maybe you'll find someone who knows the roadrunner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be great. But whenever you're in an obsessive love situation where you are obsessed with somebody who doesn't know that you exist and doesn't, mm-hmm. that just totally ignores you, it kind of has to make you wonder, why are you so obsessed? Is it because the Roadrunner is unattainable? Is that There you are. Yeah, is that, that what, can be a problem. You should probably analyze why you're attracted to the Roadrunner. If the Roadrunner doesn't know you exist, then you guys haven't really built a foundation. Well, this is part of the reason why I'm suggesting maybe um, to to be friendly or look around your coyote friends and see who among them might be able to talk this over with you and, and help you think about how to handle it. A friend like that could be really helpful, I think. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, where are your friends? You should probably find a, a third party that knows this roadrunner. They can maybe help get you some insight. Right. And also... You might want to think about why you're attracted to something you can't have. That's a, that's an excellent point. Because that's not usually a very winning game. <laughs> I, You know, I have that feeling about diamonds all the time, and I just have to reevaluate <laughs> my relationship. Like, what am I really ever going to get out of that? So it makes sense. Thank you, Linda, for helping me with this letter. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good luck. Dear Bridget, Someone told me that I was no longer relevant. What are they saying? Do people actually talk like that? Paul from Omaha. Oh, I know that guy. The reason that you don't understand is because it's in some terrible, awful language and what they're saying is really bad and it's good for you to protect yourself from that. What do you think? Well, relevant is just it's a little sketchy for me. I'm not sure what that means. I know I'm more familiar with irrelevant. What they're saying is that you don't longer matter. But we're all matter. We're all made up of matter. Just the fact that you're alive, that you're here now is enough. The fact that you're breathing is enough for you to be relevant. So don't ever let anyone take that from you. Because every day your life's getting shorter. (laughs) What do you think is a good value? I think that a good value is when... You live your day, you can sit back and you can say, all right, tomorrow's going to be even better. There's a lot of pride in the work that you do and when you know, whatever it is, if if you get off stage and you're like, I did a great job or if you uh, did something, you did a great job. There's a lot of, of value in that. But the real value is when you can be honest enough with yourself to say, okay, I want to go again. I'm ready to go again and do better next time. You know, maybe you rode a roller coaster and you just didn't scream with enough <laughs> gusto. So you're like, I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to scream louder next time because it felt good or for whatever reason. But I think that the real value is striving. It's all KO, KO, okay? We got to just 
keep going forward. Don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> don't let somebody devalue you. Yes. And don't let anybody diss your values, whatever they are. Maybe you're really into hatred. Maybe that's your oh. game. You really like hating on people. Oh, don't do that. Don't let people tell you that's wrong. No, I'm <laughs> telling you that's wrong. No, don't listen to Julius. <laughs> don't let people tell don't you Don't hate. Don't hate. If you have real true freedom and you really were free, whether it's financially, then you can spiritually, hate. whatever kind of freedom you want to define, if you really have it, I strongly believe that you're going to go for what's good. You know, people, if you... If you if you were given like that choice, like do you want happy face or do you want sad face? Who's gonna choose sad face? And right. and why? Why would you do that yeah. to yourself? Why would you why would you order the sad face off the menu? I feel like some people just do that. It's so weird. <laughs> Today's episode featured music from Mega Gem, Nursery, Andrew Howes, Dumbo Gets Mad, and the Hathaway family plot. This has been the Lonely Hearts Club. I'm Bridget Thumb. For more episodes, you can visit kxci.org.